Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Ghost Chronicles, right here on Tojinet, Pararex, Ghost Channel, and beyond. I am the happy elf, Ron Kolek, New England's own Van Helsink, and with me is the old Scrooge herself, and Kerrigan. I beg your pardon, the old what? What? Sturge? Sturge, yeah, that's what I was saying. No, Scrooge. Oh, Scrooge. You were using your pukey radio voice, so, you know, how can I understand what you're saying, you know? What the hell? Whatever. Pukey. That's your, that's, they call that your pukey radio voice. Who says that? Russ. I want names. I want to personally go to their houses and throw pies in their face. All right. Well, you can hit Russ with one next time you see him. Okay. So good. there. There you go. <laughs> so anyways, um, one thing I do want to mention is that, I had one of my favorite foods for supper, and it is the most simple thing, but I love it, and I look forward to it every year, and it is cream turkey on toast. Oh. Have you ever had that? Nice. Have you ever had it? I've had open-faced turkey sandwiches. Ah, uh, with, with a white sauce? We don't do it with a white sauce. See? So you well, haven't I'm, had it. I'm sure it's delightful. It's delicious. It's delightful. I make turkey stew. Turkey you stew know, I, is probably pretty close. I saw that the other day, and I've never, ever even heard of turkey stew, so that that intrigued me, and it really You've did. You've never heard of cat turkey stew? Doc, 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 doc. No. What is wrong with you? Yeah, bite me. No. Probably Seriously. tastes terrible. I have <laughs> That's for sure. Probably kill you anyway. Uh, <laughs> I, I have never, ever even heard of it. It's just like uh, beef stew. If you were going to make chicken soup, right? And yeah. you took the carcass of the bird and you boiled it all down, yeah. you know, and yeah. you got a nice stock. Yeah. And then you picked all the meat off the bones, and then you threw in vegetables. Yeah. You know. Um, that's that's and, soup. That's not stew. That's soup. But what makes it stew? Yes. Is that. You mix up a bunch of nice dumplings. Oh, I saw that. And, that one really intrigued me. I haven't had dumplings in years. Oh, man, that's the best part. And that's what makes it stew because you put the, the they cook the dumplings on the top of the bubbling soup. Yeah. And the flour from the dumplings thickens the soup and makes Ooh. it thick and becomes stew. Ooh. And it's just delightfully delicious. Well, you know, one of these times you're going to have to put a little dish aside of me for, for me and so I can taste this epic Oh, all chocolate. right. Well, I'll so, have to do that uh, after Christmas, I guess. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put it in a bowl and mail it to you. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Anyways, speaking about uh, horrible things. Yes, like you. Yeah. Right. We're, we're going to... Uh, talk with a couple of people that have written this book and it is pretty scary 
Yeah. We just had the most haunted house in the world on, what was it, two weeks ago? A few weeks ago, yes, down uh, in Connecticut, right? Yeah. yeah. But was, there, was, there was another one, though, somewhere else. That, uh, that was in uh, the Midwest, was it? Uh, oh, that was we a We had another one. Yeah, whatever. Anyways, we have a Demon Street. So uh, we've got a couple of guys, uh, Robbie and David, who've written this book. And uh, anyways, they are now joining us maybe on the, uh, well, it looks like we lost David, but we do have Robbie. Robbie, you there? Yes, I am. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, it's uh, every now and then it seems uh, when we do interviews, there's, there are technical difficulties. It's kind of amusing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dave, we are getting the word that David is not answering, so we don't know what the, that is. So those are the, hmm, maybe the demons got him. I don't know. So <laughs> I hope not. Batter <laughs> so, the storms. <laughs> so this, before we get over, I mean, it, it's unusual to have two people write a book. So how did you hitch up with David to write this book? And before we get into the book, well, you know. It, David and I worked together back in 1985, mm-hmm. um, so we knew each other, and this particular event involved both of us. In, in okay. fact, um, Dave became my teacher during this. Really? Uh, oh yes, it's um, really the book's a lot more than about a uh, than about a haunted house. It's more about my path through a spiritual way that allowed me to then deal with what was actually taking place with our poor friend Penny. Oh. Mm. And, and so I, it's a... It, it, we're still having trouble getting David, so, uh, Robbie, if you could message him, maybe that might help uh, him to pick up the phone or something. But um, anyway, so, yeah, okay, so this is more about your journey than the particular place. Well, you know, the place was the catalyst for the journey, so it's it's... It's really two stories in one. Mm-hmm. Um, what ended up happening is I, this poor woman, Penelope, she started telling me a story that most people would find unbelievable, but I, I actually put a little validity in, and um, then I, I lost track of her for a couple of months. Okay. And then when I met her again, she had got, undergone a physical transformation. I mean, she had deep, dark circles under her eyes. Her hair was all frizzed out. She just... She looked like she was under an incredible amount of uh, stress and pressure. So, uh-huh. you know, she started telling me what was going on. And to be quite honest with you, I, as a lark, I figured if she was having that much trouble, I could get my buddy Dave and we'd go over to this place and uh, we'd get to see a haunting and that'd be a lot of fun. And, wow, <laughs> I really... Famous uh... <laughs> last words. <laughs> well, exactly. Hmm. Wow. Um, so, yeah, it was uh, quite the experience. It wasn't what we thought it was. You know, okay. it was going to be a lark, and it, it ended up not being that at all. So be- wow. before we get into that, uh, the house itself and your experiences there, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background, and also, uh, since David's not here, tell us a little bit about his as well and how you guys originally met. Well, you know, the... Um, David's background is actually very interesting. He had a, his grandfather visited him when he was seven years old. And then the next morning when he told his mother about seeing his grandfather, she told him that he had passed away. 
Okay. Later on in life, he ran into this Lakota medicine man by the name of Black Eagle who taught him that particular path. And through that, he was very interested in the metaphysical and the, uh, and the paranormal. Myself, I've always had experiences, and, you know, it, we just ended up working together. We both worked in the theater and rock and roll industry, oh, wow. uh, based out of Gainesville, Florida. Cool. Okay. So, uh, you know, we worked together, and when you, you know, when you work together like that, you become kind of a family. That's true. And mm-hmm. So it, it was, uh, that's how we actually met, and then... Once uh, th- once Penelope started telling me about her problems, again, I grabbed my friend Dave, and we were going to go see a haunting, and we did. I'll, I'll give it that. <laughs> now, is this home that you investigated, the, the Demon Street, is that also in Florida as well? Yes, it is. It's in Gainesville. Oh, okay. Um, in fact, it's kind of interesting because a lot of instances you, you see that uh, – a demonic kind of entity usually ends up, in most instances, you see it's it's a possession. It's somebody's, you know, it's attached to somebody. In our instance, mm-hmm. it really wasn't. It was there and it was free-ranging. So a lot of it happens on uh, the University of Florida campus in addition to this house. Wow. And there's also um, my experiences encompass the whole area in and around Gainesville, which is a, actually a very spiritual place. It's a uh, very nice, very powerful out in the woods. Is uh, mm-hmm. very pristine and a uh, lot of energy there. Wow. Now, how long ago did um, did all this happen? Was this fairly recent? Was it a while ago? Or you know, it was in 1985, way oh, before wow. all of the boxes and the and the blinky <laughs> lights and all of that. You know, EVPs were barely thought of. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it was way before any of this, and it was a, a, a huge transformation in both of our lives that sent us in some interesting directions. Hmm. Wow. That was, uh, <laughs> that was quite a while ago. So well, how, did you, how did you meet uh, Penelope, or is she a lifelong friend? Or? No, she was, a, she was the wife of somebody I worked with, and... I do a lot of I do lighting, so a lot of times I'm there really early in the morning and I set everything up, and then I have a ton of time to kill until it actually gets dark. <laughs> and in one of these times, I was actually sitting there, and Penelope started telling me this story about uh, every night when she fell asleep, this big black eye would come and it and it would just snatch her out of her body. And this old man with a beard would be standing there, and he'd take her around the property that she lived on and show her all of the ghosts that were there. Wow. Yeah, that was, that was the start of it. And, you know, at that point, I, I didn't blow her off because I'd been interested in the paranormal all my life. I read everything, all of the Hans Holzer books, uh, anything by the Warrens, you know, anything I could get my hands on. So I was fairly knowledgeable, and quite honestly, at the time, I lived in a haunted house. So I was a little bit inured to the, that kind of thing. <laughs> okay, so you said you grew in a haunted house. So what what were your experiences? I know you talked about your your grand the, the grandfather, but what your what were your experiences in a haunted house? What type of things growing up in a haunted house did you face, and and were you frightened of them? 
Well, you know, the, the, the place I was living at the time that all this happened, there were definitely two spirits in there. Uh, every time I would go into the kitchen at night, I would actually look into the entrance foyer, and there'd be a little guy standing there with a bowler hat on. Um, and there were other things that happened. The, a woman who had lived there previously uh, asked us about things going on in the house, and we said, yeah, it was kind of interesting. And she turned around and got all mad at the other people because she had been claiming it for years. Every time she had left that house, all of the cabinet doors would open up just to, I guess, tick her off. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, we had presence in our, in our house that we were living in. So for me to grab David and to go over and check this out, it, it didn't seem like it was that bad of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um until we got there. Oh. And the minute we got to this particular property that, Penel- uh, that uh, Penelope was living at, I, it was different. It was like a mm-hmm. weight. When you stepped on it, your chest compressed. I felt like mm-hmm. I had a gorilla standing on my shoulders. I know Dave always describes it as a baby grand piano resting on his back. <laughs> and, and speaking about Dave, I guess we now have him on the line. So awesome! Oh, great. Hey, Dave, you there? I'm here. Oh. Hi, Dave. Welcome. Hello. <laughs> we were talking about you. Nothing good, uh, luckily. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, anyways, we, Robbie was telling us a little bit about uh, his his experiences growing up and and how we uh, met you a little bit. And so could you give us a little, and um, just uh, give us a second, Robbie, and we'll get a little bit of background on, on Dave and on you uh, and how you get involved in all this. Oh, please. Dave? What was that now? How I got involved in it. Right. Actually, what happened was Robbie had uh, talked to me at work one day, and he was telling me about this person that he had met that had, uh, you know, had these experiences at their house. I had literally got into the paranormal. I mean, my first experience was when I was like seven years old. And Mm. uh, I had my grandfather come into my bedroom one night and tell me that he loved me, but he had to go. And then he uh, uh, sort of left, and I got up the next morning and told my mom, and my mom said, that's very weird because your grandfather died last night. So uh, after that happened, I sort of spent the rest of my life after that trying to figure out what exactly I had experienced that night. Mm-hmm. Mm. And uh, Robbie was telling us that you have a little bit of uh, shamanistic training or, or experience. Yeah, yeah. I, I was uh, trained back in 1976 as a... Uh, Native medicine man, uh, and my uh, particular line of medicine was coyote medicine. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're Native American? Oh, hello. Did I scare him away? <laughs> no, no, I'm here. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I, heard, I heard a boop. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm switching on my console here. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm actually part Powhatan. Uh, how I ended up getting trained, though, I was out west, and uh, an older gentleman walked up to me, uh, all dressed in regalia, and he says to me, he says, uh, oh, your grandfather came to me and said that I needed to teach you some things. Oh, wow. And so 
I guess my grandfather traveled around a lot more after he passed on than he did when he was alive. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, you uh, you and Robbie decided to go to this house and, and check it out, and, and Robbie said he was taking it very lightly. So, uh, when you first arrived there, how, what was the feeling, and 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 you know, did the mood change, or what was it like? I have to say, when I set foot on the property, it was the most oppressive thing I'd ever felt in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, you know, people say, well, you know, how did you, how could you tell, you know, what did you take with you to find out it was haunted? We didn't take anything but ourselves. Mm-hmm. We didn't need anything. As soon as we set foot on the property, we knew that there was something very heinous going on there. Um, and it wasn't a haunting, per se. Now, there were active spirit, you know, locations on the property where there were associated spirits involved with them or ghosts or whatever. But what we felt wasn't a ghost. I mean, it was uh, like nothing I'd ever felt before. Okay. Wow. So if it's something you've never felt before, then, I mean, uh, how did you deal with it? And and, uh, was it something that you really had to... Uh, do more study on or, or anything like that. You know, it's funny. The uh, the process of dealing with this unfolded over a period of three months. Oh. It wasn't like something we walked into and snapped our fingers and instantly, you know, banished this thing off the face of the earth. We had never done anything like that before. And in 1985, there weren't really a whole lot of books to tell you how. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if there were any, I did never read any of them. Um, <laughs> So uh, it was the kind of thing where it started a journey. And, and in that journey, uh, two things happened. One were, was Robbie's personal spiritual development occurred during that journey. And we started to unfold pieces of the puzzle, which brought information to us and different things that would allow us to eventually face this thing and get rid of it. So what kind of uh, what kind of events were happening? Um, I know Robbie had mentioned Penelope was having these dreams where someone was leading her around the property, showing her different spirits. But what right. else was going on? Oh my God! Well, to be real honest with you, uh, most of the activity that occurred to us occurred to Robbie. Um, really. So, I mean, so, Robbie, I mean, since you're here, why don't you tell us a little bit about, I mean, here you are, you know, just thought you were going to have a fun time. So what, you know, how, what was it like and, and what, what type of things happened? Well, you know, um, it, it got really weird. Things started, things in my house started to really ramp up. The spirits that lived there were very, very uncomfortable with whatever it was that was starting to come around. At one point, you know, these these things are supposed to be dark. They're supposed to come out at night. And at one point, whatever this was at Penelope's house, and I, I believe it truly was a demon. Demons are, are actually very, very rare. And I think that even most demonologists in their full lifetime never encounter one and somehow... Dave and I drew the uh, short straw on this one. Yeah, we so, got the Joker from the deck. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, but uh, in the middle of the daylight, it appeared at my house. Um, oh. I was terrified. 
I, you know, it was, uh, I didn't, I didn't think that could happen. And then it was just sitting there grinning in this really unholy way. I, I'm glad it somehow wasn't able to actually come into the house proper, but we had in Florida, you have a thing called a Florida room and it's three sides of the room are all windows. Mm -hmm. It's really bright and sunny. And that son of a gun was just sitting there right in the middle of the, that room, just panting away. It was uh, mind numbing. To say the what least. Did it, what did it look like? <laughs> to me, it looked like a dog, probably around 180 pounds, um, just black. But its its maw, the inside of its mouth and its eyes, you know, the, the wonderful speech about the shark's eyes and how they're dead. This was more than that. These these weren't flat black. They they kind of sucked light. It was, it was the weirdest mm. thing. Um, Mm -hmm. It was definitely malevolent. It just, that came off of it in waves. Uh, There was a lot of nastiness there. It it wanted to get at us, but thank goodness at that point it wasn't able to. And then Dave, by then, by the time this thing had made that appearance, uh, Dave was able to teach me enough that I was able to fend it off. But there were other places that it appeared, too. uh, It's funny, we were talking about it he and I the other night and you know it didn't really occur to me because of everything that happened in this in one instance but there was one mm-hmm. point that the damn thing tried to kill me and oh, I'm yeah. a little I'm a little incensed about it now but then <laughs> I was so concerned wait, 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 about wait. our friend that I, it, it it actually missed me I missed that nuance so wait, wait a minute you, you said it actually tried to kill you well in in what way i mean i mean and how how did it attempt to kill you well i was standing on the again i work uh we we were doing rock and roll and theater shows and we had a place where we had to do a show and i had to scout where you would hang the equipment from so i was 10 feet out on an i-beam that was about oh. 70 feet in the air oh my god and I was looking at it, and I and it's one of those don't look down. Well, you know, my job said look down to see where, what's right underneath where you are. So as mm-hmm. I was looking down, in my mind, I had this clear, perfect vision of me doing a full flip and just landing spread eagle on the chairs below me. Oh. And then I felt the shove in the middle of my back. Oh my God. And I and I kind of rolled it off. And as I rolled it off, I, I turned around and I looked, and one of our guys was up there in the in the sky with me, and he was in the catwalk. And I looked at him, and he was just so white, and he was shaking. And then he proceeded to tell me that whatever it was that had tried to shove me off the catwalk had gone through him. Mm. Um, now, see, there's this thing that happens when your reality what you consider your reality when those walls are blown out it's, it has an incredible impact on your life and this poor man um bless his heart it really it had profound and lasting impact uh, so mm-hmm. it was uh because of that you know and because of them dave coming in and us having to deal with his reality completely leaving him um, mm-hmm. I had really lost the fact that the thing had tried to kill me. Mm-hmm. And so we started to rewrite it, and it was like, damn. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's funny. Robbie talks about this, but we had many different instances when we began writing this where we would remember things that 
had there were little nuances that had had slipped away, you know, during mm-hmm. the years. But we rewrote this book ten times because we did our own we did our own editing, and we would pass it back and forth, and we would read it, and in the process of reading it, we would remember something, and we would flesh out each chapter a little more because more things would come to us. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it was kind of funny because there was one instance where I think I want to say it was probably the third or fourth rewrite we were going through. It was early in the process. I uh, I had an epiphany that I had forgotten about, and I had never told Robbie that this had happened, even when it happened. But Penelope and I had sex oh, early wow. in okay. the uh, situation. Mm-hmm. Now, <clears throat> when I told Robbie this, he was like, get out of here, because <laughs> Penelope was really not my kind of you know, person, woman, you know, kind of thing that I would normally be attracted to. Right. Um, I'm not really into the grandmama types, and by this time she looked pretty much like grandmama in the Adams family. Um, but there was uh, there was something that was going on where she was actually at at some point possessed by this thing, and this thing had, you know, a almost like mesmerizing kind of power to it. And uh, there was a point where I actually fell under the influence of whatever it was that it was doing. And at the time, we were experimenting with a crystal that had been given to us by a medium. And she had called me up to come over to her hotel room where she was now staying because she couldn't stay at the house any longer because she wanted me to bring the crystal and she wanted to use it with one of the people on our team, Henry Loikison. They were going to experiment with it or whatever. God knows what they did with it. <laughs> um, so I had gone over there and brought the crystal. And uh, she met me at the door kind of like one of these Sigourney Weaver things from you know Ghostbusters where she was dressed in this flowing kind of see-through you know, outfit and this beckoning you know, kind of look. And, uh, Are you the key master? Yeah, it was like that, you know. Well, uh, I, I hate to stop right there, but we got to take a break right now, and right in the middle of it. So uh, we'll, be back, right. but we'll find more about Sigourney Weaver. Uh, you listen to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation right here on Tojinet Parax Ghost Channel, and we'll be right back. Hello, hello. Can you hear me? My name is Harry Price. I am speaking to you via the medium of the Ghost Box. Many of you will know I carried out the first live radio broadcast from Haunted House way back in 1936 for the BBC. Now, thanks to the wonders of modern technology, I am still able to keep abreast of 21st century ghost hunting by listening to Ghost Chronicles International on Togginet, Para-X Radio, The Ghost Channel, and even on something called a podcast. Two splendid chaps host it. One is an American who calls himself New England's own Van Helsing although I have discovered his real name is Ron Kolek. The other is Stephen Parsons, and he is a paranormal scientist. Well, mustache, I am required elsewhere on something called a K2. But don't forget, I'll be listening in every Tuesday from 8 o'clock in Great Britain and 3 o'clock on the American Eastern Seaboard. I trust you will join me there. Everything you heard about witches... Welcome to Toginet, 
Radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more. Located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more. All in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. And welcome back to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with our special guests, uh, David Roundtree and Robbie Lunt, right? You bet. Right. Thank God. I'm like, I almost forgot. (laughs) All right, this story is getting good. This is great. All right, I need to hear the rest of this. I'm on the edge of my seat. Well, hold it right there because I actually got a message while we were in the break, and somebody wanted to know, was he dreaming or was he having sex with his grandmother? So you better better clarify this before we go any further. You, you, you guys, you guys are in Massachusetts, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually did a conference in Massachusetts once, and this fella came up to me. I love Massachusetts, by the way. My mother's side of the family came over on the Mayflower, so. Uh, But uh, I, uh, I was up there, and this guy comes up to me, and he says, "Hi," he says, "I'm Dick Burns from Holden," and I'm like looking at him really funny for a minute. I'm like, what? I'm sorry. Uh, back to the question. <laughs> um, sorry, I had to go there. I just That's brought this whole memory across my mind. Uh, so anyway, uh, no, I'd actually driven over there. Uh, I lived across mm-hmm. town from where the hotel was, or it's really it was a motel. Hotel would be much too kind for this building, but um, <laughs> uh, Hilltop Court or something like that, I think it was. But anyway. Oh, no, it, it was the Sunshine Inn. Oh, yeah, that's oh, right. The no. Sunshine Inn. Oh, but anyway, I had to drive wow. across town because at the time I was living over by the University of Florida. Uh, I had a duplex. I lived in a duplex house that was about three blocks, four blocks over from campus. Mm-hmm. And they were living over in uh, northwest uh, Gainesville and uh, uh, over in the area around 6th Street. But she was staying down 13th Street which literally is 13 blocks, you know, like west of Main Street. Mm-hmm. So I had to drive, you know, it was maybe a couple of miles across town to where she was staying at. So I wasn't asleep. Okay. And when I got out of the, when I got out of my van, I, um, as I was walking up to the room she was in, all the rooms, you entered them from outside. So that tells you what kind of <laughs> motel it was. No expense spared. Um, but she had opened the door and was standing in the doorway, uh, mm-hmm. apparently to show me which room she was in. Uh-huh. Um, and it was that whole, like, seeing it in slow motion kind of experience thing. 
that was going mm-hmm. on there. And when I went in, it didn't just like immediately go to, you know, the sex scene, which is in the book. It uh, <laughs> She was speaking to me in this very monotone-like voice. Mm-hmm. And she was asking me questions about, did I bring the crystal? And she wanted me to take the crystal out. And I took the crystal out and I sat it down on the the, the table. As you walked into the room, there was a little table on the left and I set it there and and uh, she was asking me different questions. Had I done anything with it? That sort of thing. And her monotonic voice was almost, like I said, it was a mesmerizing kind of situation. I don't know whether I was almost being hypnotized or what was going on with it. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, the monotone eventually kind of, I don't know, got me sort of in a meditative kind of state. The next mm-hmm. thing I know, I'm coming to my senses and we're in bed together. And I immediately, like, leapt off of the bed because I had no intentions of doing what was going on in the first place. Uh, And it was like someone threw a bucket of cold water on me. I grabbed my stuff, left the crystal there, and headed out the door, jumped in the van, and floored it out of there. Um, And and I was kind of shook up uh, because I I was, uh, while I was at that time you know, pretty free-flowing and stuff and somewhat of a Casanova. I was in charge of what I was doing normally. And in that case, I wasn't in charge of anything that was going on. And it was Mm -hmm. a very unnerving experience for me. Now, my sex scene, there's two sex scenes in the book. My sex scene was actually a lame one. I mean, (laughs) it, it wasn't all that spectacular, However, Henry Loikison has the second sex scene in the book, and his was so incredibly bizarre and twisted that it drove him completely away from the group and wanted nothing more to do with anything we were doing. Oh, my God. And, I, and that's I the have real, to read this book. Yeah, that, that the sex scene is definitely worth your money. Uh, All right, I have to – yep. Okay. <laughs> I'm, just, you know, I'm just, you know, all my years are investigated. I, I've never run into anything like this. I mean, the pole dancer, that was my, my highlight, but this is way beyond that. Way beyond that, you know. Uh, Dave well, and Robbie, I have to tell I, I, you, this, is, this is incredible, absolutely. I have to tell you, I've been doing it for 38 years personally, and uh, mm-hmm. this one, this particular situation took the case. I mean, it was uh, – <laughs> I have had nothing since that has been anywhere near as intense as this whole thing was. I mean, normally nowadays, you know, you go to a place, you're there overnight, you go home, right. and that's the end of it. I mean, this particular home. thing unwound over a three-month period. Mm, mm-hmm. And every day we were doing something involved with it. Wow. So it literally seemed like it was, you know, if you look back, if I look back on it, it seems like it was a year. But it was right. really only three months. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. So what happened to poor Penelope? I mean, did she, yeah. uh, you know. We left her in the motel. Well, what happened then? Yeah, I mean, well, she, I, was walking a, she was walking a little funny. and um, But uh, after that, <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, that was just a, a kind of day. That was a, a day in the middle of a week of, a whole string of events that were going on. And this actually took place prior to all of us going to the, there was a psychic fair that was at the university holiday inn. Mm -hmm. And this was, I think the week before we went to that, 
that that happened. But activity had been slowly ramping up, and, and like I say, it had left the area where her house was, where she was staying, and it was going to Robbie's house. It was showing up at different places. In the meantime, I'm taking Robbie all over the countryside, exposing him to places where there's power so that he can learn how to handle different earth energies and manipulate those energies uh, and to to try to get him further along this, this shamanistic path that he was starting on in order for him to be able to survive and, and really to be able to help me in dealing with it. And in the process of doing that, we were at Robbie's house one day, and somebody, was it Lee that brought it up, Robbie? It was in the paper. Well, what it is is that, you know, we only actually went to the property proper three times. Oh, I know. And it was really? after the third time, we all we all went to the house, and we were sitting there kind of, in a daze, uh, trying to figure out what the hell we were going to do next. And I was flipping through the paper, and I diligently read the paper every day. It's just something I've always done, an ADD thing. And uh, I flipped it, and I saw there was the psychic fair. So it was, well, there you go, and it's tomorrow. So we all uh, made plans, and we met up at the psychic fair, and you know, it was interesting. We went in as a group, and when we walked through the door, there was a gentleman right there at the very front, and the minute we walked through the door, he started staring at his lap, and he would not oh. give us the time of day. I mean, he diligently ignored us. However, wow. the other 26, 27 psychics in the room, in beautiful choreography, I mean, just all together in sync, all turned and looked at us. <laughs> And then wow. they went right then they went right back to what they were doing but that initial every one of them turning and looking at I, I it's still I mean it's it's interesting cuz a lot of people I know are questioning well this was 1985 how do you remember all of this You know when you walk into a psychic fair and every single one of them looks at you except the one that we found out later could actually name what we were dealing with um, uh-huh. <laughs> when you remember every that. one of you them turns that. and looks at you that's blazoned into your memory. Right. Oh, <laughs> wow. So, obviously, you ended up speaking to this psychic who didn't want to look at you. No, actually, no. He, we never spoke to him. He wanted not a single Nothing. thing to do with us. Oh, okay. All right. But what was wow. real funny is there was a woman there, and and uh, she kept looking over at us, and the woman she was sitting across from that she was giving a reading to was so distraught, had a box of Kleenex. They kept coming out. And, but then oh, no. the, this, this, the other, the psychic she was dealing with kept looking over at us with this big grin on her face, and then she'd go back to menstruating to the poor distraught woman. And uh, we went through some things, and then we went out and we decided that we should get readings. And I mm-hmm. said, well, that's the psychic you need to go to. And so Penelope went in, and she decided to pay for a 15-minute reading. And 45 minutes later, she came out, and we really couldn't get a lot out of her. She was pretty uh, shaken up at that point. So Mm -hmm. Dave went in, and he said, well, I'll go get a five-minute reading from the same woman. And he came out about 15 minutes later with Mm -hmm. a psychic who at that point said she had to speak to everyone in the circle. So it wow. was, uh, and you you remember who that was, Dave? 
Yeah, the the, the medium's name was actually Ruth Davenport. Um, she was this. She was maybe five feet tall, maybe. <laughs> um, okay. And red hair, kind of this uh, curly red hair, and big big smile. Uh, very very Irish looking woman. Um, mm-hmm. And she had come out, and she was dragging me along by the hand. Uh, as little as she was, I couldn't keep up with her. And uh, we all kind of congregated around the back of her car. And she first she was talking to us. She was reaching in her in her pocket, and she pulls out this. It was a decent looking crystal out of her pocket. And she says, "No, no, you guys need the big gun." So she opens up the trunk of her car. And she's rummaging through the back of her trunk, and there's, like, boxes and merchandise and books and all this stuff in there. I mean, it looks like Fibber <laughs> McGee's closet. And she's just <laughs> digging away. I mean, there, there's young people that won't understand what I just said there, but um, she's, she's, she's digging away. And she says, oh, here it is. And she reaches in to pull this crystal out, and she goes, oh, I can't believe it. And she pulls her finger back, and there's a big gash on her finger, and it's bleeding. Yeah. And she says, the crystal just cut me. They don't want me to give you this. Oh. And and it was, I mean, cut her pretty bad. And wow. the thing was, is once she gave the crystal to Robbie, Robbie checked it. And he says, you know, there's not a sharp edge anywhere on this crystal. Oh, my God. So that was kind of weird. Um, mm-hmm. But she yeah. gave us the crystal, and she gave us a little chant to say when... What she said was, she says, is you guys are going to put together some kind of ceremony to get rid of this, and this is going to be part of it. And she gave us this little chant to say, and uh, then she just turned around and sort of went back inside. Wow. And uh, all during the whole process, while we knew nothing about what we would do to deal with this, people came out of the woodwork and just in passing or... For whatever reason, they either had something to tell us about what we were doing, and they may not even have known exactly what we were doing, but they had something they had to tell us or give us. And along the process of those three months, things came to us and knowledge came to us from from different places. And over that period of time, as we continued to – I mean, Robbie was doing historical research on the property and on – on uh, Clevis and Clevis's family, and and all during this time, things were coming out of the woodwork and just giving us bits and pieces of the puzzle. And eventually, we had enough pieces to put the puzzle together. Hmm. So, so what? What was? What did you arrive at? Did you do you fit it together historically with something that happened? What What was your What was your conclusion? Well, Robbie, you want to tell them about the historical aspects of this case? <laughs> yeah, you, well, you know, it was it was interesting. There's a thing in the South that happens that if you something's really really bad, if you don't talk about it, it'll go away. And <laughs> yes. When we started researching, Clevis was the landlord of this property, and quite frankly, um, he invited this thing in. He conjured it up to the what? point where he was proud of it. Uh, wow. at, at one point, he walked up to me, and he looked me in the eye, and he said, I can conjure demons. Can you? And, you know, my, my response was, well, I really don't want to. But uh, he looked at me and said, but that's not what I asked you. I said, I can conjure demons. Uh, you know, at that point, we knew we were 
messing with something that was really now, bizarre. Let, let me put this into perspective. This is coming out of a person's mouth who is wearing one of these, what Robbie calls a pork pie hat, which is basically a ball cap with an unusually large brim on the front of it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mouthful of chewing tobacco, Ew. bib overalls. I mean, typical, stereotypical Florida mm-hmm. redneck. Mm-hmm. And he's mm-hmm. articulating these words about conjuring demons. <laughs> and and that in itself was enough to put you into a separate reality. Yeah, watching I him say, say so. these things. <laughs> and so. and the man had a library that was incredible. His his den, where most of these type of people, when you run into them, their den has you know a couple of deer heads mounted on the walls and right. a mounted <laughs> bass fish. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He had uh, shelves lining all the walls in his den, and there were books on them. And these books were old, very old. In fact, there were leather-bound volumes. There were there were parchments. There were scrolls. There were there were clay tablets. There was papyrus. There was everything you could imagine. And there were, the books were written in Latin. They were written in ancient Greek. They were written in languages I have no idea what they were. Um, and they were ancient grimoires. And as I'm reading the titles to some of these books, and these are handwritten books. I'm reading the titles, and I'm recognizing very, very rare, almost legendary, no one's ever seen a real copy of kind of book. You mm-hmm. know, there, there's these grimoires that are like Aleister Crowley had mentioned in passing in some of his writings, but no one's ever really seen a volume. And I'm reading these titles on his bookshelf, mm-hmm. and I'm sitting there thinking the amount of money and collector value alone for some of these volumes was astronomical. Mm-hmm. Right. And that he's sitting there, you know, driving his old 60, 68, 40 Conaline <laughs> pickup truck that, you know, you need a step ladder to get into. And, yeah. and he's sitting on a fortune in ancient books. And his excuse when I asked him about how did he come across these books was, well, you know, you'd be surprised that you know, college kids and what they'll throw away, thinking it has no value. And I'm looking at these books thinking, no college student threw mm-hmm. these books away. Mm-hmm. You know, right. but go ahead, go ahead, well, Rob, yeah, finish. Well, what's interesting is we went ahead and we did the research. I mean, we went back through his family, and his grandfather was one of the largest landowners in Levy County, Florida, yet in any of the histories, in any of thing you could find, there was no mention of him whatsoever. And, I mean, we really looked. I did all the microfish things. It was amazing. At some mm-hmm. point, he had to move from Levy County to Gainesville, and the house that we were investigating was outside the city limits at that point. Um, but it was interesting. Coming later on, we found out that uh, there had been an incredible massacre that happened pretty much on his property. Uh, I believe it was in the late 20s, mid-20s, was it, Dave, uh, Rosewood? And yeah, 20s or 30s. A, yep, there was, a, there was a black township there. And because mm-hmm. of the misunderstanding and the, the way things were in those days, the town was wiped off the face of the earth, uh-huh. gone. It disappears from all the maps. And mm-hmm. he would have had something to do with it. Absolutely, he would have. So, it was in the middle of his property. You know, we really started getting these interesting connections, and the, the whole family connections were 
really kind of bizarre. We're not quite sure if it was his grandfather or if it was his father, and if they weren't the same person. Um, so, yeah, it got really interesting. And, again, it was back before the Internet. So it was a lot of hours spent in the library and spent in City Hall trying to figure out what was going on with all of this. Well, that's, oh, that's, that's pretty amazing. But, you know, as we talk all about the, the story and, and how it unfolded, I, I, I always go back to poor Penelope there. What's her name? Uh, you know, what was she like? What was her life like? I mean, one minute you, you tell me she's talking monotone and seducing you, and the next minute, you know, she's, you know, working with you. I mean, was it that type of thing where one minute she was herself and another minute she was someone else? Oh, absolutely! It was yeah. almost constant for. Her. I mean, she was she was she was waging her own battle in this. Mm-hmm. And and it was weird because we had outside influence. There were other things there. So when she wasn't with us, and the the nasty things would start to really harass her, uh, there were guardian spirits that would show up and chase them off. But but not always. It was a, there was a truly a, a battle going on for poor Penelope. Um, she would talk about riding down the. She got to where she couldn't drive her car anymore because mm-hmm. the things would just jump out in front of her. And then she got to the point where, as she was riding her bike down the street, she would look in the basket of her bicycle, and there would be a disembodied head sitting there, just making the most horrific faces at her, sticking its tongue out, and just saying the rudest and crudest things you could think of. Um, so it, yeah, she was having a really rough time through this. I would say so. So, uh, did you finally resolve this? Was she able to break away? What? Well, happened? we're still alive. <laughs> alive. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, there was a crescendo moment. I mean, everything built up. We had uh, we had a false start where we thought we were going to deal with this thing from outside of town. We were in a little town called Hawthorne, uh, Florida. And we were on this privately owned lake that was very, very secluded and very wooded. And it was in the middle of, I mean, it was in in the middle of the woods. It was literally very, uh, let's say, organic in nature. Um, But something took place that night, and Robbie was reading tarot cards. Because every once in a while, before we would do something, he would throw cards to just see if it was a good time to do it. Because we had no idea what we were doing. Uh-huh. And uh, that night, he got uh, a pretty spectacular reading that told us, no, not tonight. And mm-hmm. so Robbie and, and, and uh, oh, God, what was her name, Robbie, that was with us that night? She had taken uh, Henry's place. Right. I believe that was uh, Stephanie. Stephanie. Stephanie and Robbie left, and they had, a, they had to drive 20 miles back into Gainesville that night um, by themselves. And I'll sort of let Robbie tell you about that journey because it was no ordinary drive home. Well, it, you know, it was, it was very interesting. First of all, when we drove away, it was dead quiet. And if you've ever been out in the middle of the Florida woods after dark, you know, in the night, it's not quiet. <laughs> very, very far from it. But it was 
not a sound. And as we got in the car and we started driving away, once we hit the asphalt, I started catching things out of the corner of my eye. And slowly I realized there were things running along with us. And then came the most amazing flip. It was almost as though the car stopped dead, yet the world kept moving past us. You really, we didn't feel like we were moving at all. We were just sitting there, but the world kept moving past us. The road kept moving, but there was no real feeling of motion. And and these things, there started to become more and more of them, and they had to be real because they were dodging stuff that was coming along on the side of the road. There was a bush there, and these things would have to dodge it. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if it were a hallucination, I would think hallucinations would run through bushes and trees. But these things were dodging them. And uh, the, the, the closer we got to Gainesville, the more and more they appeared. And then uh, that damn dog all of a sudden was running along next to us. And uh, during part of this, quite honestly, Stephanie had been sleeping because she had been really overcome. She had gotten really sick while uh, we were trying to decide whether to move forward with our evening. And when she kind of woke up, she realized that these things were next to us, and she thought we were just tooling down the road, and I was trying not to hit them, and when she realized that I was doing 100, she kind of got really concerned, too, and it mm-hmm. just, it it was really um, terrifying, and mm-hmm. it, they ran us all the way up to, the. there's a road outside of Gainesville called Waldo Road, and that's pretty much the boundary on that edge of town. And when we hit it, they all disappeared. Oh, so we wow. hit that road doing about 110. Holy wow. crap. I, unfortunately, that doorbell means pizza from the dead is here, so we've got to wrap the show up. Uh, <laughs> you're listening to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. And so, Dave and Robbie, where can people uh, get your book, and, and where can they find out more information about you and, and the book? The, the book is available at... Uh, uh, every online bookstore in existence. It's also on the bookshelves in your local Barnes and Noble store. Several indie dealers also carry it. Uh, my website is www.spinvestigations.org. Has most of my scientific research over the last 20 or so odd years uh, archived there. Um, I'm also on Facebook, and you can just Google me, Robbie. Uh, yeah, remember us at uh, DemonStreetUSA.com. We both have author sites, and there's a Demon Street USA site at Facebook, and you can also find me at wordpress.arcanology101.com. Oh, wow. That's lots of good stuff. Uh, so anyways, uh, we want to thank you guys for being on the show. I wish we had more time because uh, this has been pretty fascinating. Uh, Very. <laughs> to put it mildly, yeah. So. Put it mildly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, living wow. it was fun, too. Well, well thank you very much. sorry about the uh, glitches in the beginning there, but, uh, you know, I, I, I did get a, a notice from Pararex that we had listeners from Haiti. I don't know if they were looking for uh, information on how to conjure up demons or not, but... Uh, <laughs> Maybe it was, well, they were our, looking for device. information on the loop guru. Yeah, there you go. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, it, at least we know we're batting 100, everyone so far, so we're doing good. All right, yep. guys, you got to go now. So thank you so much for being on the show, and uh, uh, best of luck to you. Good night. God bless. Thanks oh, for having Have a wonderful us. evening. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Good night.
crazy dolphin. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us good law. Show me the money!